You're listening to the weekly sermon from Antioch East Baptist Church, located in Magnolia, Arkansas. For more information about our faith and local congregation, visit AntiochEast.com. I was called to preach at the age of 14, became full-time pastor at the age of 18 before I ever went to college or seminary. Now, granted, it was their fault for calling an 18-year-old boy to pastor. And we had some difficulties there, but praise God, I still go back 42 years later. As a matter of fact, two weeks ago, I did a revival in Humnoak, Arkansas, just about 12 miles west of Stuttgart. But all of my life, I have preached and never hardly missed a Sunday. The last 20 years, full-time evangelism. I was looking forward this year of preaching my 1,000th revival in these last 20 years. But little did we know we would be shut down. The second week of March, I was in a meeting in Georgetown, Louisiana, when it broke out. And they shut everything down. We cut the revival a day short, and we were shut down for many months, as your pastor alluded to. I had six weeks designated for my knee surgery recovery. And so these last few months, I found myself a little discouraged from time to time. But praise God, I have a dear godly wife that kept encouraging me and said, Jimmy, everything's going to be all right. And so I want to encourage you today. Every now and then we need to reach down and pick ourselves up by the straps of our blood-bought boots and stand straight with our shoulders square, a smile on our face, a song in our mouth, a sparkle in our eye, and decree and declare that God is still God. Would you join me very quickly? Genesis chapter 35. Genesis chapter 35. I love coming here. This is one of the highlights of our year. And I appreciate Brother Ron and the church for the invitation. I don't know how many years now. 11 have you been pastoring? 11 years. And I guess I've been here 11 years. And I'm, it's just a joy. And you remind me of a little boy that had his first girlfriend. How old are you, sir? Son? Yes. 10. You ever had a girlfriend yet? Stay away for a while. Stay away. <laughs> But this little fellow was about nine years old, and he had his first girlfriend. And uh, she, along with her parents, invited him over for a dinner. He told his mother when she picked him up from school he needed a gift. And so mother carried him to the pharmacy. He went in and said to the pharmacist, I would like a $3 box of candy, a $5 box of candy, and a $10 box of candy. The pharmacist said, well, why the description, uh, uh, difference in the price? And he said, because I'm going to my girlfriend's house for the first time tonight. And they have a porch swing. 
and we're going to get to sit on the swing. And the reason for the discrepancy of the price, if she lets me hold her hand, that's a $3 box. <laughs> if she lets me put my arm around her, that's a $5 box. And if I can get lucky and give her a peck on the cheek, that's a $10 box of candy. He got the three gifts, and mother late that evening carried him over to her house. She met him, his little girlfriend, at the door. They had the table spread for dinner. She walked him in. He was seated around the table, and her dad looked at him and said, How about you leading in grace? He bowed his head, and he began to pray, and he thanked the Lord for that family and his girlfriend. He thanked the Lord for his family, and he called his mom and dad and all of his siblings by name. He thanked the Lord for his church, for his pastor, his Sunday school teacher. He recalled some missionaries they had. He thanked the Lord for all the workers in the Christian ministry. He even thanked the Lord for the president and the leaders of our country. And he went on and on, and finally he said, Amen. His little girlfriend looked and said, I didn't know you were so religious. He said, I didn't know your daddy was the pharmacist either. <laughs> I just want to suggest, suggest to you great people, you're going to get the $15 box of candy from me. Amen? Amen. Very quickly, and I'm going to abbreviate my sermon uh, this morning. I've been preaching from this passage the last three weeks, and I feel God in this to share today, and it's a different message from each time I stand and read Genesis chapter 35, the first four verses. But I want to share with you a message entitled, A Call to Worship. When we were sheltered in place... I had made that statement many times. I would never be on Facebook. That's just not me. I'm old school. But being sheltered in place by the encouragement of other pastors, I'm on Facebook. And I've tried a little live streaming myself. We did a little parking lot services in various places. We've tried to transmit on the radio. We did it all with social media. But I am so grateful when God's people came back to church because all of this I'm thankful for means of worship. But there's nothing like worshiping God at God's house with God's people. And I want to applaud you for being here in your place this morning. Genesis chapter number 35, you're a Bible student, most of you, if not all of you, you're familiar with this text, and uh, certainly it is God giving instruction and command for Jacob to go back to Bethel. Bethel is where Jacob first encountered the Lord. You read about it in Genesis chapter 28. But from Genesis chapter 28 until chapter 32, we find Jacob running from God. See Jacob run. We see him fighting with the Lord on the banks of Peonau, a Christophany of the Lord as he wrestled with the Lord throughout the night. But then we see Jacob there as he was hurt 
as the Lord reached down and touched the hollow of his thigh. And after he was hurt, then you see Jacob broken. And then he held on to the Lord. And he said, I'll not let you go, Lord, until you bless me. And then the Lord said, Jacob, what is your name? Now the Lord was not seeking information when the Lord asked questions. But he's not even seeking his proper name. Jacob being broken, being hurt after running and fighting the Lord said, I'm Jacob. In other words, he's saying, God, I'm a conniver. I'm a worm. I am a deceiver. I am a loser. And then God said, oh, no, Jacob, you're not a loser. You're a winner. You're no longer Jacob, but you're Israel, the prince. How many of you agree this morning one of the great paradox of all of God's word is this? To be a winner for God, you must be a loser to yourself. And now God's calling Jacob back to Bethel. Bethel is where he encountered the Lord as he had the dream and the ladder was into heaven, angels ascending and descending. And when he was awoken out of his dream, he said, this is the place, this the Lord has met me here. And he commemorated it with a stone. God's calling him back. I want to give you three thoughts that I lift from here. We're not going to dwell long on the first two, but I want to conclude on the latter part. But let's read the scripture together. You have a copy of God's word. We appreciate it being on the screen as well. I'm reading from the King James. And God said unto Jacob, Arise, go up to Bethel and dwell there. Make there an altar unto God that appeared unto thee when thou fleddest from the face of Esau thy brother. Then Jacob said unto his household and to all that were with him, Put away the strange gods that are among you, and be clean, and change your garments. And let us arise, and go up to Bethel, and I will make there an altar unto God, who answered me in the day of my distress, and was with me in the way which I went. And they gave unto Jacob all the strange gods which were in their hand, and all their earrings which were in their ears, and Jacob hid them under the oak which was by Shechem. Before I hasten on, ladies, let me set the record straight. It's all right to wear earrings. When they took their earrings, it was a form of their idolatry. They were worshiping that which they had in their ears. Now, if you've got some Mickey Mocha pearl earrings, praise God, I'm glad you have them on this morning. So let's just set the record straight. Three things I want you to notice with me because God gives wonderful instruction how to worship him in this text. I want you to see, number one, what I call the construction of the place. Number two, we'll move quickly. We'll see the consecration of the people. And then at the close, I want to camp out a little longer on the celebration of praise. 
And so number one, the construction of the place. Before an altar was ever constructed, before the journey ever began, God said to Jacob and to his household to put away those foreign strange gods and to purify or change yourself within. Put away and purify. And Jacob heeded the message and led his family. And so the place of construction back at Bethel, very quickly, God has a designated place for worship. Yes, he does. The New Testament calls it the house of God. Amen. Jesus said, of course, in Matthew's account, the law of first mentions, the first time the church is mentioned in the scripture, Jesus says, he says, upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I get excited when I talk about and think about the Lord's church because I'm excited that God has a designated place. Number one, the church is scripturally based. Secondly, it's sovereignly built. He said, I will build my church. And thirdly, it is satanically battled. And haven't we been in a battle these recent months? I appreciate what Casey sung, the lyrics to that song. I could not help but think, while things around us are coming unraveled and falling apart and seemingly everything changes, the one above us remains constant. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's not some doty grandfather in a rocking chair in heaven, not understanding nor discerning what's taking place. He knows, and he still cares. Amen? Designated place. Aren't you glad you've got Antioch East or your respectful churches where you attend? A designated place to come and to worship with the family of God. I'm so proud to be able just to announce one of many reasons why I enjoy coming. But Mary and Mike, Brother Mike and Mary, that Brother Ron uh, recognized who pastors way up in northeast Arkansas. They saw I was going to be here today. They were in a wedding here. Uh, in Magnolia last evening, they had to come. And she was sharing with me 17 years ago, she was diagnosed with cancer. And she said, this church here, Antioch East, will always be dear to her heart because you were so generous. Many of you were not here then. Some of you probably have forgotten, but you were generous, not only with your prayers, but with your finances to help her. And, uh, and, and, and as a result, she's never forgotten what you did. And I applaud you for that. A designated place. We can worship in our vehicle. I do. Folks used to think I was crazy. They thank God for, huh? Used to. Used to, yeah, they still do. But thank God for hands-free technology. Now everybody's talking to themselves, amen, and they don't think nothing about it. I've had them say, well, I worship at home. Yes, you can worship. Put a good song on and I get to shouting all by myself. But hey, 
your vehicle or your home or wherever else you worship God. It's not a substitution for this place. It is an addition to this place. And in the midst of our crises, thank God you're not preoccupied with it because the scripture says still admonishes us not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. And we're together even so much the more. Anybody believe we're living in the last days? So much the more as we see the day approaching. We are together. Can't gather enough. I'm taking every precaution I know to take. I don't understand this, nor do you. I don't even think those uh, uh, scientists understand. Never experienced what we're experiencing now, but I'm still trusting God. And I've understood this, that if I get COVID-19 and that is what God has sovereignly ordained to take me out of here, I'm going to accept it. I'm ready to go anyhow. Hey, I get excited. Come back now, Lord Jesus. My wife's saved. My children are saved. Their spouses are saved. My six grandkids are saved. What have I got to lose? But I've got everything else to gain. And so I'm just going to do what God, I'll wear a mask, whatever I need to do, whatever I want to do. But I'm not going to forsake the assembling of God's people at the designated place. Dr. Adrian Rogers used to say, that most people basically attend church three times in their life. Most people. Other various, all denominations. Most people attend church basically three times in their life. When they're born, they come and they have a little water sprinkled on them. Then they don't come back until they're married in the church and they have a little bird seed sprinkled on them. Then the third time they come to church is when they die. They have their funeral and they have a little dirt sprinkled on them. In other words, he said, when they're hatched, matched, and dispatched. <laughs> and if you would suggest to them they do not love the Lord, they would become incensed. But can I just encourage somebody today? If you love Jesus, you must love the things that Jesus loves. And he loves his church. So praise God for this designated place. Uh, I'm telling you. Let me move on. Secondly, about out of time. The consecration of the people. Again, he said to put away strange gods. Somebody immediately throws a red flag and says, Brother Ron, we don't worship foreign or strange gods. Now, I'm not referring to figurines or statues. Let me define what a strange or foreign god is. Anything that takes precedence over the Lord Jesus Christ or priority in our life is a strange god. And I deal with them. I deal with one I call sin. Very seldom do you hear preaching anymore on sin. I deal with sin. Sometimes sin becomes a foreign God in my life. I deal, number two, with self. <laughs> Anybody deal with self? Uh, Self-indulgence, self-gratitude, gratification. Uh, record yourself and see how many sentences you say begin with the personal pronoun I. 
Being from Texas, I'm originally from Arkansas. Cowboys, of course, back in the day was my team. Back in the way back in the day, under Landry and Coach Landry. But I I followed them all the way through. One of my least favorite Dallas Cowboy players of all time. He was there for a short time. He's been long retired. Was Terrell Owens. Didn't like him. But I remember something he said that stayed with me to this day. He was being interviewed by several journalists. And here's what he said. He said, I love me some me. Have you ever met somebody like that who loves me some me? I'm old school. Just a few years ago did I understand what a selfie is. Rita and I were in between revivals, and there's a little, little resort place toward Galveston called Kima. And Kima has a boardwalk and a few rides lit up and a nice restaurant. We were between revivals. We stopped off, spent the night, had a delicious meal, walking on the boardwalk. And all of a sudden, she says, Jimmy, let's take a selfie. I said, a what? She stuck that camera out and she said, uh, here, and we got real, I got the picture to prove it. We got real close. And she said, your arm's longer than mine. You, you push the camera button on my phone. Well, they had a Ferris wheel lit up and she wanted that in the backdrop of that selfie. And so uh, I snapped it, didn't even look at the picture. I didn't know what she was doing. Three or four minutes passed by, and all of a sudden, her phone began to explode. Ping, 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 ping. I said, baby, what's wrong with your phone? She said, oh, I've uploaded that picture on Facebook. I said, what? She said, people are already commenting on that picture. I said, you don't say. She said, yeah. One of them says, great pick. One of them says, the sweetest couple I know, great pick. Well, that started getting my attention. You know, we all got a little of that... <laughs> Amen. I said, let me see that thing. I said, what is pick? She said, picture. And about that seventh comment, what a lovely couple, it said. Sister Rita, you're so sweet and precious. Said that Ferris wheel behind your head looks like an angel, a halo over your head. Beautiful. She said, but Brother Jim looks like he's got devil's horns sticking out of his head. I said, let me look at that. And the time I snapped it, another ride came by lit up, and it looked like horns were sticking out of my head. Hey, but can I just tell you, if Jesus physically dwelled among us today as he did 2,000 years ago, I would venture to say that he would have number one sermon, there is no selfies in my service or are no selfies in my service. You remember what he says? If you want to follow me, he said, come after me, take up your cross daily and follow me. Die to yourself. So self gets in the way and then stuff gets in the way, but let's move on. I read about a guy, Brother Ron, not long ago. He went into a donut shop. We have donut palaces, all kind of donut places in Nacogdoches. And he went in and he ordered him five chocolate-covered donuts, five glazed donuts, a bear claw, 
and a jelly-filled donut and a Diet Coke. <laughs> My kind of guy, amen? <laughs> and I thought about that for a moment because how many of God's people they think just a little bit of diet church on Sunday is going to take care of all that indulgence during the week. Mm. Vance Havener, one of my great preachers of yesteryears, he was labeled America's country preacher, wrote over 40 books, a uh, great man of God. He had a way with words. Vance Havener used to say, most churches begin at 11 o'clock sharp and finish at 12 o'clock dull. But he made this statement. He said, before you can evangelize the community, you must Christianize the church. Hmm. Thank God we have a place that we can worship. I could say much more, but I want to close with this. Number three, so we saw the construction of the place, the consecration of the people. But number three, the celebration of praise. Notice what he said in verse number three again, and let us arise and go up to Bethel. Let us arise and go up to Bethel. Why? He says, and I will make there an altar unto God who answered me in the day of my distress and was with me in the way which I went. Arise and go up to Bethel. You know what comes to mind here? Number one, the purpose that's announced. The purpose that is announced, let us arise and go to the house of God. Aren't you glad when they said, let us go back to the house of the Lord? We come here and worship. That's the purpose that was announced. But hastily, let me notice, uh, share with you what I notice here, the prayers that are answered. He said, because we go to Bethel and make an altar unto God there, who answered me in the days of my distress, the prayers that are answered. But thirdly, notice the presence that is assured and was with me in the way which I went. Take the Abraham test, and not Abraham in the Bible. The Abraham Lincoln test. He had a ledger, and on one side of the ledger, he put the words, the bad things that have happened to me today. He stepped across on the other side and put the good things that have happened to me today. And he began to list the bad. We have some bad stuff, don't we? COVID-19. Some of our health issues, maybe a wayward child or grandchild, maybe financial crisis. But then you step across on the other side and you begin to list the good things that God has done for you today. And the good insurmountably outweighs the bad.